0: Hello, anyone listening.
1: Seth Just exa- just examples of things that, that aren't aren't okay. So One that's not just okay. gonna have to edit that out now. Well, <laughs> well You can't say that. I know, but I, I did say it in the context of you can't say this. So But, but just If this is gonna go on the internet, <laughs>
0: neither, neither of us are actually allowed to put that on the internet.
1: But, but, we'll edit it out. We'll move on to actually explain what this is all about. So, Jay, this is your brainchild. Do you (coughs) want to...
0: yes. So, the initial idea for this uh, was because I was bored and it's lockdown and we've got nothing to do. So we might as well do something. Each of us pick a film, a piece of music, or an album or something along those lines, and a piece of literature, which, for the sake of ease, we've also included plays because, well, partially to my benefit, I've read more plays than I have books.
1: Weirdo. Yeah, but,
0: you know. And so, each of these things have an underlying connection or theme that we will have picked for each week, or each time we do this, however often that may be. Once a year, I think, would be be good. Should we do a Valentine's Day one? Should we do one for Valentine's Day? That would be the second
1: one. Uh, I think that would just end in tears for both of us. (laughs) Because we don't have any Valentine's guests. Precisely, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. we would be saying, here's our special
0: guest. Here comes my mother. I think that's that's the promise that we should make. Next (laughs) year, we do a Valentine's special and we don't have any Valentine's guests. Yeah. It's just the two of us. (laughs) Alone in our singleness.
1: Yeah. Holmes and Watson, the bachelors. Although, probably not the Watson wasn't. He got married, didn't he? He did eventually, yeah. But the.
0: Utterson and Enfield. Um.
1: Yes. Was Enfield ever married? Well, he was gay, wasn't he? Is Actually. He... Oh, I think so, yeah. I can't remember. For a long I remember day. that he used to go on long walks with us and I, th- I don't think either were married
0: <laughs> is that your basis for thinking <laughs> he's gay he went on long walks with another man oh yeah. Well, yeah and uh, well they had nothing else to do with their time what do you expect them to do
1: yeah that's true I don't know what people did back then to be honest sat walk
0: they went on long walks it. with other men yeah
1: that's <laughs> what they did yeah. evidently yeah so where, where were so- we <laughs> I think we got to explaining that this podcast will be about choosing uh, a book, an album, and a film, and mm. each of us having a theme that we're trying to convey to the other, and the other person has to guess yes. what theme we've got.
0: Precisely right. Very well <laughs> explained. Thank you. <sighs> Should we work so, on a point system? You want to you wanna make this a, like a competition? How are we
1: scoring this, then? So if you get it by the first two. Oh. oh, so it's
0: like only connect.
1: Yeah, and you get two points. But if you get it after all three, you get one point. If you don't get it, then obviously you get no points. And then we'll keep keep a tally as we go. And and if you get it after one, you get three points. Yeah,
0: yeah. That'd be very, very impressive. I reckon you. I reckon you might be able to guess mine after the first one. Oh dear. I've really screwed you up with mine, I really screwed you
1: over. Well have you have you picked a really diff- difficult one? I just don't think it's something you'll you'll think of because I think but at this point I think I know how your brain works well enough.
0: Okay. And that means that you know that my brain won't work in the way that you that you you've decided.
1: Yeah. Uh, because <laughs> I know that you overthink things. So you yeah. will be looking in my link You'll be going, oh maybe it's something sort of philosophical Or some ideological thing Or you know, some I- Intangible link But really It's, it's,
0: it's some, just its, it's just going to be like a like an actor It's going to be like <laughs> It's going to be like Graham Moore Who was in this film yeah. <laughs> Who participated on this album And he also happened to read the audiobook For Amazon It will be something as simple as that Oh for god's sake But you won't get it Oh, well, I won't. Okay, fine. We'll edit that out later. <laughs> Let's crack on
1: with our films, uh, is it
0: Yeah. Also, I just want to say, I reckon that most of this, I reckon that 50% of the stuff that we record is going to end up on the cutting
1: room floor. It'll end up being just Jay's film, my film, Jay's book, my book, Jay's music, my music, end. Because everything else will be completely irrelevant. Yeah. So this, this, should, this should take about 30 seconds, really. Arisen. Yeah, really. Yeah.
0: yeah, okay. Um, so,
1: because um, I don't want to talk first, you, you're up first. Right. The uh, film's first, so. Yeah. My film for you is one that I've talked about quite a lot, so hopefully you'll know it. I don't know if you have gone away and seen it. I, I think actually I lent you the DVD. I think I lent you the DVD. Okay, I um, think I know what this is. Yeah, what, what do you think it is? Oh, I think it's with Nettle and I. No, it's in Bruges. Oh,
0: that was the, that was the, second, the second thing that I thought it might be.
1: Oh, uh, sorry. I should have given you a second chance. No second chances with me, though. No. Okay. no. Right. I'm that like, kind of guy. Do I out. get half a point? No, you don't get any points. No, <laughs> <laughs> <But, laughs> yeah, yeah. half a point for guessing what film I might have chosen. Your second guess because of what I said before. That uh, no, definitely not. Shit. Right. Let me. Okay. For, for those who haven't seen it, it's. I'll, mm. What I'll do now, I'll tell you stuff that's relevant to, to the theme. So it's about a hitman who, after a job goes wrong and he accidentally kills a little boy, he has to um, go to Bruges for some reason and lie low in Bruges and await his execution. Mm. From the from the boss man played by Ralph Fiennes, who, um, who doesn't think that anyone who kills a little boy should be able to be able to live really, and he takes he matters into his own hands in the end. And there's a shootout, and it's it's a brilliant film, really good. And you'll know Martin McDonough or whatever is it? Martin McDonough, I don't know how to say his name,
0: yeah. Martin McDonough, who also um, directed three, three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri, yeah. And Seven Psychopaths, was it?
1: Seven Psychopaths, and he's wrote plenty of plays, Pillow Man being one of them,
0: yes. The Pillow Man, uh, is a very, very good play, yeah. That's um, good. A few friends of ours, I think, did a segment of it for their GCC drama performance.
1: Yes, Aaron Carlton did. I think she did a. Yes, she did, yes, a, mon- she did monologue. a
0: monologue from the 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 interviewee's monologue about
1: the Pillow Man. Yeah, which is quite a harrowing monologue. I was going to choose that one actually before she bloody chose it. Wish I had done monologue. Shit! Or oh, wish <laughs> I'd chosen yours. I, I kept looking at everyone else and going, oh, I wish I'd done that. Wish I'd done that. Just very disheartening. No, I, I was very glad that I chose mine really? because, yeah. you know, I, I stick to my decisions. And this will be where Jay brings us up his mark in drama, and we all get, we all go, oh, whatever. You're just showing off. No, I wasn't going to mention that. You weren't going to mention it, because I'm not going. But I mean, that. do you want me? No, to no, mention no. Because no, no, I'm no, happy no, to no. mention it. No, no, no. It's fine.
0: <laughs>
1: we won't mention it. We won't mention it. We said we <laughs>
0: we you brought it up. <laughs> Can't blame me for that.
1: No. Um, right, so do, do you want to sort of ask me some questions about about in Bruges and sort of talk yeah, to be about I, it? So, in terms of
0: why in Bruges? Why is it something that you went to Bruges, didn't you? I did go to Bruges.
1: Uh, yes, I did.
0: Yes. <laughs> Was that was that because of the film? It was because of the film,
1: and yeah, because it's a great film, and it made Bruges look really cool. And I'd recommend Bruges; it's really nice. Don't go there for more than like three days though, because it's actually quite small. So you you want that stuff to do fairly quickly. Yeah. But yeah, Um, I will disclaimer it's not to do with me. So if you were sort of thinking, I I don't know, because obviously I've been to Bruges, I wasn't sure if you were thinking, oh, maybe these are things that Seth has.
0: No. No, that wasn't something I was thinking. That was just a detail I remembered about oh, your sad, sad life. Yeah. That you went to a place because you like a film,
1: or you just wanted to rub salt on, on the wound that I, th- I went there I th- with um... yeah.
0: <laughs> I think I think that salt was was sort of was sort of rubbed in without me even saying. <coughs> it. So, what is it that you, uh, what is it about in Bruges that you like so much?
1: So it's the the dialogue is so good because like, obviously we're talking about scripts and the script is amazing but um, why well, I've chosen it for this it's to do with when it's set and it's chronological placement in a way because we jump into the action just yeah. as just as there's no more Action to be had for a while because I've just done their job. We've missed the job, but we jump in as they're laying low, yeah. Instead of jumping into a hitman film with all the shooting, which I thought was a really interesting thing for the director to do. So that's yeah. my film. Mm. Do you want to so, spitball any ideas for what the theme might be yet, or so you say in terms of the
0: the cr- chronological? So it starts just after. I don't... Can you elaborate?
1: No, not really. But that's what I... I like about it. Is all I'm going to say. And I'm I'm not going to say... I think I've I've said plenty for you to... For you to turn the coals over with. Okay. I feel like... You might get it in two after that. But we'll see.
0: Alright, okay.
1: Interesting. Over to you.
0: Right, so my film... Well, my film I watched, I, well, I rewatched for the first time in about a year and a half last night, sort of in preparation for this because I hadn't watched it in a really long time, and good. I wanted to make sure that I remembered bits and things about it. Yeah. Um, so that is Ex Machina. Very good. Which I well, know you you saw that recently, didn't you? Very, so you you very watched recently. it recently. In, in two halves. <laughs> Half of it in the evening and then half again in the
1: morning. <laughs> yeah. Well, we all know. Well, uh, my, my attention to that is um is p- pretty shocking, really. So, and plus because I have a TV in the house where I watch Ex Machina, it's quite sort of you know when your parents walk into a movie yeah. that you're watching and you have to fumble with the remote because it's on a dodgy bit.
0: I think the weird thing about Ex Machina is there are some bits that are sort of dodgy, but they're, they're
1: not. Really. But no, they're not dodgy because the whole because you can just say, oh, it's okay because she's a robot.
0: For anyone who hasn't seen Ex Machina or doesn't know about it, it's <clears throat> essentially a three more of a four-hander really, I think of a uh, a character played by Donal, G- Donal Gleeson, who wins a prize to go and visit his boss, who is the owner of the largest search engine uh, network in the world, to work on a specific project with him for a week. And it turns out very, very early on in the film that this project is to test an artificial intelligence to basically carry out a real-life Turing test. And you have Oscar Isaac as this boss who is quite lonely.
1: Yeah. Yeah. But he's dis- disturbingly eccentric. He's very,
0: very menacing. I didn't like L- him. Like, throughout the film, he's in- he has an incredible menace to him. Um... And you have Alicia Vikander who plays Ava, this um, artificial intelligence that is being tested. Mm. She's brilliant, man. Like I, I, I love Alicia Vikander. I, I think I think they're all brilliant in the film. Yeah, um, and I think actually the way the film is made, like the pacing of it, the dialogue, the the not only like the speed of the revelations, but the way in which they are revealed during the film is done really, really well.
1: Yeah. I think um, it's especially when you consider that there's actually only two characters in the whole film. Or two sort of human characters and the other the others are AI.
0: Yeah, there's only th- three speaking roles.
1: You yeah. Know,
0: I mean technically there's four if you include the helicopter pilot, but that doesn't count.
1: <laughs> no. Um Tell you what, I've already come up with a link between our two films. You come up with a link between our two, oh. our two films, yeah. Okay, go on then. And this is gonna sound really bizarre for anyone who who knows me, but I've been to where In was filmed. I've also been to where Ex Machina was filmed. Oh, is it in, filmed in Norway? In Norway,
0: yeah. Oh, wow. And
1: in, in um, we went to that exact waterfall. You know the the waterfall yes i think we, we've been to that one it was all frozen over but but we saw that what oh, a wow. what a strange coincidence that that should that is that that i've is only been t- to about two places or i'm <laughs> uh, not like you've this only ever been traveler. to two places <laughs> <laughs> i don't want people to think oh he's been he's been everywhere i haven't i've been to probably about five five countries about average but yeah that's what, that what a strange. crazy link yeah.
0: Wow, yeah. I'm not sure how much more I need to talk about Ex Machina to sort of have my theme be there. I think the the actual way in which it sort of experiments with the relationships mm-hmm. is very, very interesting, and sort of the <clears throat> particularly Donald Gleason's character. And what sort of happens to him across the film, I think is really very interesting.
1: Mm. I'm trying to think about that. The thing with Ex Machina is it's so heavy on themes that there's it's, so much.
0: It's very,
1: very heavy on themes. It's like looking down the rabbit hole, you really just it's there's so much there. Yeah. To think there's, about. There's so even
0: there's, a, there's even a point in the film. Where he where he says through the looking glass. Yeah. <laughs> which is great. But, yeah. You know, and there's like there's so much stuff. There's like a line where he says, you know, this isn't the history of mankind, it's the history of gods.
1: Yeah. 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 That's a great line. Because he's Mr. Yeah. Quotable is what um Donald yeah. Beeson's referred to by Oscar Isaac's character. Yeah. And he he also quotes the um I can't remember who it was, but when they invented the atom bomb, yeah, he quotes Oppenheimer: "I am death, destroyer of worlds." Destroyer of worlds, yeah. So as you can see, it's it's not a cheery film. It's quite harrowing in some ways, I'd say. I think, I think it paces itself perfectly so that it isn't really harrowing. It's
0: sort of the story beats are hit in the in the way that isn't like massively unexpected. But it's enough of a twist to go, oh, that's. that's yeah. Quiet.
1: The ending is very bittersweet, I think. Yeah. Yeah,
0: I, yeah. And the dancing scene as well. It's <laughs> one of the strangest things that happens. It, oh, it's I love the weirdest, scene. like, tone shift <laughs> that they could have possibly shoved in there. And yeah. it works brilliantly.
1: Yeah. I'm trying to think of your thing. It's not just. I know it won't be as basic or I hope it won't be as basic as something just like AI. That'd be a bit too obvious, surely. No way.
0: Are you going to commit yourself to that answer?
1: No, I'm going to wait.
0: Okay. I'm going
1: to sacrifice the three points. I'm going to wait.
0: Okay, fine. Right. So you're next
1: with your music. Music next. All right. So you should be very familiar with this album. Um, I just need to double check the name of it. Yeah, it's called that. Um, <laughs> it's um, Wish You Were Here, Pink Floyd Oh, okay um, So that was an album written After It was the first album written with the new guitarist <laughs> David Gilmore Who mm. came in to replace Sid Barrett in 74, But the album was released in 75 anyway, right um, And it's only got five songs on it um, But it's they're, ba- they're
0: all quite long
1: yeah, it's, a, it's it's still a forty-five-minute album with just five songs, so you, you do the math with that one. But it's pretty heavy going. Um, right, just... But it's got the great song which you were here on, "Shine On, You Crazy Diamond."
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Parts one to seven, seven parts to that one. Jeez, but um, yeah, sound
0: like you hated.
1: <laughs> well, no, it was when I was faced with having to go. Oh, I do actually need to listen to this again because I'm doing a podcast about it, and then. Thinking, oh, the song is about fifteen minutes long. Oh, gosh, but it's it's easy listening. It's lovely. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's a very good album.
0: So that was uh, just trying to remember. Was that written just after the death of one of yeah. their?
1: Yeah, the death of Sid Barrett, the original guitarist. Yeah. He was with them for the first, would been sort of ten years, but um. Yeah, that's where the song obviously "Shine On You Crazy Diamond" comes from because the it spells Sid. If you take the first letters, in a way, Shine On. Yeah,
0: if you if you take I out on, if you remove on, then yeah, because yes. he spelled Sid with a Y, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: yeah oh, nice. I didn't I didn't notice that before actually. That's quite nice. Yeah, it is nice. Uh, the whole album was just a tribute to him, really. Mm. Which I was suppose then... that's why they
0: called it "Wish You Were Here."
1: Yeah. Yeah, great song.
0: Yeah, it's a a really good album. Um, The music changed quite a lot after he died as well, didn't it?
1: Yeah. Because Wish
0: You Were Here basically marked the start of the Pink Floyd that we sort of know.
1: Yeah, definitely.
0: Because that was 1972,
1: was it? What was? Wish You Were Here? Uh,
0: 75. 75,
1: okay. Well, it might have been released as a single before the album, but on the album, it's, it's seventy-five. I'm okay,
0: because sure. uh, well, Dark Side of the Moon was seventy-four,
1: I believe. Mm. Well, was that that must have been Sid Barrett as well? Then
0: I don't, I don't think it was. I think, I think, wish you it was either Wish You Were Here or Dark Side of the Moon was the first album they did without Sid Barrett.
1: Maybe, maybe he left. The band before he died. if You see what I mean? Yeah, Maybe they I, th- I
0: think all that, that is because he, ha- he had he um, had some mental health issues. Yeah, that sort of put- took him out of commission. I I seem to remember reading.
1: Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah, when
0: I was going through through a period of, of listening to lots of Pink Floyd, mm. I think I read a lot about him and a lot about that sort of period of time. I think you also told me to go and listen to one of their very early albums.
1: Yeah, which, I think which had,
0: which had Sid Barrett on it. And it yeah. is very, very different to the stuff that
1: we know, like The Wall and Dark Side yeah. of the Moon. I, I want to use the word pop for when David Gilmore came along, but not pop, but I, I'd say the band became more accessible and they had yeah. sing-along songs from then. They had, because before then, it was mostly just atmospheric ambient sound. Which was you know, it, it was good and they had a couple of good songs, but um no, that's when they came sort of into the It was their when they bit. broke, really, wasn't it?
0: It was when they what's her? It was when they broke like properly into the into the industry.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: It's a good way to put it. That's what I'd say. So
1: yeah. <laughs> that's my album.
0: So I felt like both of your things happen immediately after a very crucial death. And I feel like from your grin, that that is exactly what I, what is. You've got it. So everything happens. The connection is that happens after a very important
1: death. Yeah. So yeah, the, the, um, the art is created just after, just after tragedy. Yeah. So, and it's directly from that tragedy that the art is created in a way. Right, let's hear your your album. Or my music. album. Okay,
0: so my album is uh, the Electric Lady by Janelle Monae,
1: and I'm pretty sure that it is artificial intelligence is yep. your theme. Yeah. Yes. So we both get two points. You both get two points. Well, we should. We could put a bonus point in for getting the last guessing the last book. Yeah, we could. But we'll, we'll see. So what's we'll the Electric Lady by who?
0: Janelle Monet.
1: I've never heard the album.
0: Okay, uh, it's a it's a really good album. It's a, it's part of a series of albums. So um, the album that comes before it that might have been slightly more sensible to pick, but I'd prefer the Electric Lady just in terms of the music. Yeah. Uh, the the album that came before it was Arch Android, and it is a concept album, much in the vein that um, Pink Floyd liked to make concept albums mm. and it's very much set in a science fiction world and it delves into the realm of metaphor to so it's set in a very very post very very futuristic world where androids are basically employed as slaves to people and one day this uh android known as jane uh Sort of falls in love with her master, and then is uh, sort of chased out, and lots of things. I can't quite remember the actual storyline, but then eventually she uh, is chased off, and it goes into the underground and becomes this sort of cult figure. Mm. Um, It's it's very very interesting. Because it basically delves into using AI to talk about racism and sexism and all these different things, and I, th- I think it works really, really well.
1: Sounds pretty ambitious. For an it is something to do.
0: Yeah, and I think the f- the follow up album after the Electric Lady, which was um, Dirty Computer, which came out a couple of years ago. Um, okay was sort of a spiritual sequel but it didn't quite follow that same sort of thing but it's using a lot of this stuff of talking about AI which we will happily dissociate from being humans in a way to talk about things that In a, it, as like a way of talking about big big issues, which I think is really good. I, I really like it.
1: It sounds, from the idea, it sounds amazing. I'm still, my head's sort of spinning on how that would work in an album, if you know what I mean. Because it sounds very content, it sounds like a book.
0: Yeah, I think the album itself isn't, is not heavy handed on this sort of story. In, in The Electric Lady, I think the, the overall idea works a lot better than in The Arch Android because there are interludes of this radio host in this world and they talk about <clears throat> sort of the Electric Lady and this world that they live in. And someone mentions the Arch Android, which is sort of dismissed. And the Arch Android is supposed to be this sort of messianic figure to Mm. sort of free all free all of the androids and all the robots from their oppressive masters and they sort of dismiss it because they don't want to talk about it in, in an interesting way I it is very ambitious and I'm not I think you can easily listen to it without having that in the background because okay. I initially I did, and I didn't know this, and I sort of read around it a bit and discovered this. sort of understood it a bit more. And if you read the sleeve notes to the albums, so if you like get them on a CD or a, or a vinyl, yeah. you read like the sleeve notes. The sleeve notes aren't like the artist explaining what she did with the album or explaining this and that. It's fully like in character of a historian discovering these works. <sighs> From the future, and sort of biographing this cult figure, and it's in and it's in the Arch Android and in the Electric Lady. You get these sleeve notes that are very, very sort of seeped in the world of sci-fi. It's really cool. Oh, that is not really cool.
1: That's why CDs and vinyl are better than digital download. Well, mostly vinyl is it's it's the way to go. Mm. You get sleeve notes. Yeah. And also, on Spotify, if you're listening to
0: uh, The Electric Lady, you miss out the song that has Prince on it. Do you? Yeah. The the second track of the album is a really, really brilliant song, and it features Prince. And Spotify doesn't have it, or at least my Spotify doesn't have it. So I can't listen to that song. I'm going to have to give it a listen. Sounds Which like a good album. It's disappointing. It's a very good album. It's sort of electro... Pop, R and B, funk, sort of that sort of vibe. Daft Punk. Hmm. Like Daft, Daft Punk. But... No, no not. Punk. Daft Punk. No. No. Yes, my connection is in fact AI. AI. Because I'm a basic bitch.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you see, we need to get better. We need to be less nice to each other next time. What we need to make really, really horrible connections. Yes. Because we both got it after two. Yeah.
0: But I, don't, I, don't mind doing. Yeah,
1: I suppose. Is it no? I, I mean, for me, just because, just because I, I don't like your conceit when you get it right. So I'm just going to have to.
0: Oh. Yeah. You don't, you don't it, like it, my my evil grin. It's a personal thing. It's personal. Okay. I, <laughs> I picked AI because I knew it was a pretty, like. Easy sort of theme to go for, and I picked it because it's something that
1: I wanted to talk about. Yeah, because I think it's really interesting. Oh, it is interesting, especially. Go, sorry, going back to ex Machina, that discussion about the chess playing robot. That is one of my favourite sort of comparisons ever.
0: It's it's a brilliant analogy, and it really pays off. Yeah, because you do get that payoff in the end.
1: Is that one of is that Garland's own sort of idea, or is that something he's taken from a, a book?
0: I don't think it's a particularly. I'm not sure if it's a hundred percent original because I can imagine other people having come up with it before that. Yeah. Yeah. You can test a computer, a chess computer, by playing chess, but how do you know if it's really playing chess or is it just simulating? The moves, yeah. So to test whether or not it's really a chess computer, you have to test it outside chess. Yeah. Which is really interesting. It's really
1: really interesting. Now, I'm wondering whether your book is what I think it is. I think your book might be The Robots Dream of Electric Sheep.
0: Oh! Ah! So, um do androids dream of electric sheep by philip k dick
1: yes that one. which
0: was then adapted into blade runner yes that that's is a like... very good idea and it's not it and i hadn't and i hadn't read it before now before before we decided to do this and i i spent uh because i'd never read it before i downloaded the audiobook because I, I wouldn't have been able to get it shipped
1: love an audiobook
0: yeah, it was it was a 9-hour audiobook. I bought it 2 days ago. I I went through t- nearly 3 hours on the first day and I spent 6 hours yesterday listening to an audiobook. Mm. And it was very worth it. My gosh. I don't um, think I've and, ever
1: and done then, that much in one sitting.
0: And then I also I also spent 2 hours Watching Ex Machina yesterday. So I spent eight hours yesterday basically preparing for this. Oh no, and I also listened to The Electric Lady, which is over an hour long. In its album, it's a really long album. So I spent nine hours yesterday in preparation for this.
1: Blimey. I know. That's put mine to shame. Mostly because... Thankfully, I know in Bruges pretty much inside out, so I didn't have to revisit it. Yeah, but I did. I did read the first chapter of *A Christmas Carol* because it was relevant to this, and I obviously listened to the album. So that's probably about two hours. Hmm. Also, very
0: importantly, oh you revealed <laughs> your book *A Christmas Carol*.
1: Yeah. Okay. Hard. Yes. So that's after
0: pretty... the death of um, Marley, Marley. That's it yeah okay so go ahead and talk
1: about christmas carol for a little bit so i'm gonna quickly talk before i talk about the book i'm gonna quickly talk about the film adaptations because there have been some really good but overlooked film adaptations and i know your favorite will be muppets christmas carol i haven't seen it what
0: (laughs) i uh, yeah i know it's terrible i haven't seen it
1: you love the muppets i do and you haven't seen A Muppet's Christmas Carol? I... I oh, not that I remember. Goodness me. I know. Oh, Jay, well... Oh, that's a good one, but my, my favourite one is the Robert Zemeckis Disney one, which came out... Oh, God, I, oh, I'm not even getting... Geez, uh, I don't know. More than ten years ago? The one with it's... Jim Carrey as the oh, voice. yes. And um, this, yeah. that is very good. And the opening shot of that is a really gory Disney film. Like, it's really quite scary. and
0: Yeah, I remember what I, re- I went to watch it in the cinema when it came out, I remember. And the bit with the horses Yeah. with, with him being chased by death and the horses, scared the living daylights out of yeah. me. It is
1: really, really scary. And I love it because of that. But I got a lot of criticism that it wasn't a kids' film, it was just for fans of Charles Dickens' books, more of one of those films, you know, a fan service. I think it's really good. Just the opening shot of uh, The Dead. Um, oh, what's his name? I just had his name in my pet Mom. Marley. No, it's not. <laughs> I keep thinking Bob Marley as well. No, it's not Bob Marley. It's um Jacob Marley, um, the sort of pan out of his dead body with the coins on his eyelid, which always sounds like a really scary, creepy tradition. Yeah. I used to put coins on the eyelids of the dead. And then Scrooge takes them off and puts them in his wallet. (laughs) Tuppences, tuppences. That, I think, that is genuinely set immediately after. And then it jumps ahead a bit. But still, I thought that's why. That's why I chose that one. Talking of dark adaptations, actually, quickly. I just just remembered this one. The one that came out last year. The 2019... Yes. By the guy who did Peaky Blinders with um, Guy Pearce. Yes. was Tom and Hardy in it? No, but Guy Pearce and Andy Serkis were, well, I can't remember if Tom Hardy was. I think he probably was, but I only watched the first episode and didn't like it because it was very slow and boring and just mm. a bit too dark. Okay. It doesn't feel like as much, because all through The Christmas Carol, you've got to have that hope, that Scrooge will, you know, mm. come out okay, and there's that glimmer, but... There's nothing there, really. Yes. Nothing.
0: No. Okay.
1: It'd be like someone filming you on a day-to-day basis and sort of thinking, you know, will he be happy today? Sort oh, right. No, no hope. There, there's for no, you.
0: there's no real chance of that happening.
1: Lost cause. Yeah. All these resonating with you quite nicely, I'd imagine.
0: Yeah. Uh huh. <laughs> you're just, you're now just taking opportunities to take digs at me. <laughs>
1: Yeah, that's why I agreed to the podcast in the first place. Oh, just so you could <laughs> Yeah. Just so, so could you call, could dig at me. I could call your ideas basic, I could call you a lost cause, all these Yeah. All these things. Yeah. Yeah, very good. <laughs> <laughs> but insane, I haven't guessed your guessed your book. No, you haven't. I thought it'd be I thought it'd be that obvious. I thought it'd be do Andrew's gene of electric sheep. But yeah. You're um, saying it's an old book and I can't think of any older AI Books. It's actually
0: pretty much right back to the origins. Apart from well, it's not um it's not Wells. No. But it's it's pretty much about five years after that. It is iRobot by Isaac Asimov. Should've got that. I was gonna say I didn't know if it was a book. One of the one of the most fundamental artificial intelligence or sort of Robotics books that exists in the world. Yeah, that sort of lays down the fundamentals. And I love this because I looked up Isaac Asimov yesterday. I didn't actually read anything, but I did discover that he was a biochemist before, which makes sense in terms of the novel. Mm-hmm. Because, and if you read his like little bio, you know, on like the side, yeah, of, um, of Google Pages when it comes up, it, it refers to his, his works as hard science fiction, which I think is great.
1: Hard. And, do you know what that means? I can't, I can't, <laughs> unless <laughs> hard and soft, only in my head, I think of porn. Yeah, no, I thought you might think of it. <laughs> I can't link it to anything. Oh, metals. Is there hard metals and soft metals? Have I made that up? No, that is a thing. So hard
0: science fiction is actually, basically. It it takes it's actually nicer to pronounce it in a different way. It's hard science fiction. So it's basically so likely. It's that when if you read the book, you'll actually find that the stuff in it, the science behind it. or or at least the scientific terminology that is used in it sounds vaguely plausible. Uh You sort of read it and you go, oh, there's the second story in the book. Because it's a series of short stories, essentially, Mm -hmm. that sort of play on the sort of problems that arise in the dynamics of the three laws of robotics. Mm. Which, for people who don't know, uh, the first is... A robot must never ha- must never allow a human to come to harm, must never harm a human or allow a human to come to harm through inaction. Two, a robot must always follow the instructions of a human unless it counteracts directly with the first law. And thirdly, a robot must preserve its own existence unless it is in opposition to the second and first laws so they are basically in order of precedence yeah so the first law must always be followed then the second then the third and it basically is a series of short stories that plays upon the interplay in those and it's basically a lot of problem solving things a lot of problem solving stories around these things there's the fir- the second story is a robot that is whizzing just on the locus between its own preservation and its oh and its instructions,
1: mm. so
0: it, it had been told to go off and gather some supplies, but it had not actually been given any urgency to do it, so it was taking its so it could take as much time as it needed, but as it got closer, it found that to go in would endanger its own existence. So the third law kicked in. And stopped it from going in. And so it backed away again. But then, now that it was out of the danger zone, it needed to follow the second law. Yeah. Because it needed to go in and get the get the materials that it had been told to by its master. So it went back. And it basically bobbed back and forth. Between them. And the way that uh, these two characters, Duncan and Powell these uh, mechanical engineers or robotics engineers overcame this problem was they went out this. So this is basic. The problem was basically set on the surface of Mercury Mm -hmm. where they could only survive or they could only really be safe for 20 minutes. And it would take them half an hour to get to the place where they could find their materials. So to get their robot back, what one of them had to do was they had to go out past 20 minutes and risk their life so the robot would engage the first law principle and save him. Yeah. And it's a lot of stuff like that. And there's also the thing, the very last story basically plays upon the idea of uh, a robot takeover, but a robot takeover that completely applies the first law of robotics so mankind thinks that to preserve itself it needs to destroy robots but the robots know that in order to save mankind it must preserve its own existence
1: yeah
0: so it is constantly sort of tweaking things (laughs) in in relation to the way that humans act
1: that sounds like a that sounds quite fun i think i'd enjoy that it's just made me think before you went into detail about the book, I was thinking, yeah, but the film's really good. But now you've explained to me how good the book sounds, I'm thinking they could have done a bit more with the film.
0: Yeah, I was talking to my stepdad last night about the film, which I still haven't seen.
1: Oh, I, I, the thing is, I do like it as an action film, mm. <laughs> which is what what it is. I, I, don't, I, I wouldn't say there's many sort of big questions answered like that. I mean there's a bit there's a bit of sort of AI exploration, but none to that sort of level there. But then again it that's a different uh, difference between like a theoretical book mm. which is what it sounds like and like a film like that, that's made for people to believe. What what upsets me about the film is that it's set in something like twenty twenty six. And we're almost there now. And there's, I think, there's nothing. <laughs> I think
0: that's actually one of the reasons that AI is so important right now. Because a few days ago, I think it was about a week ago now, Elon Musk did a podcast with Joe Rogan for the Joe Rogan Experience, which immediately got loads and loads of views. A, because mm. it's Joe Rogan, but also because Elon Musk has recently been having a series of mental breakdowns on Twitter. Now, he's also selling all his possessions and he went on a twitter rant about a week ago exclaiming that the tesla stock prices were too high and immediately afterwards everybody sold up their tesla stocks and the and the stocks just plummeted which was very strange and he's been but i think that he is a very very important person and i think that he will Shape the next decade. Yeah,
1: and I think that
0: it's very important in terms of AI as well, because naturally, in terms of what Elon Musk is trying to do, is explore space and sort of go out and explore. And so far, we can only really do that with a lots of money, which Elon Musk has. Mm-hmm. And be very advanced technology, which Elon Musk has the money to develop. So he's going to be probably the most important person in the next 10 years. Yeah. Provided he doesn't have <laughs> a complete mental collapse in the next month. And I think it by the next, I think in the next 10 years, probably we'll we will start to see elements of the stuff that is sort of hinted at in iRobot or in. Some of these sort of AI things.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think it's funny how everyone who was writing about sort of AI sort of landed on sort of between 2020 and 2050 for so for it to sort of kick in. Yeah. And it's because I, I suppose they they were seeing technology go like and it was sort of raking up speed. Still, though, out, out of all of the AI things that I've seen, like all of the books and the films, I think the thing that's that I've seen and gone, that's probably the most likely thing that's going to happen with AI, is jiglow Joe in AI, the movie. Oh, yeah. I I look at that and I go, I can see people getting on board with that sort of idea. I can see that. Of of everything else, of all the other bombastic and sort of far-fetched stuff, a, a sex robot seems to me to be like... Yeah, I can see that actually catching on.
0: I mean, they already exist in in some form, don't they? It's rule 34 of the internet. Yeah. Do you know what rule 34 is?
1: There's something for everything. Pretty much. If you, like that. If,
0: you could, if you can think of it, there's porn of it.
1: Yeah. Yes. Yeah. is rule
0: 34. And I think think that holds.
1: If you watched the Russell T. Davies show on last year called Years and Years, that was only set like five years in the future. And there was what what we just talked about, a a sex robot there. Yeah. The only issue with them is they're more difficult to hide than the old. Yes. (laughs)
0: Something I also noticed when, when looking at all of these things about AI is that humans can't help but humanise robots. If you think about it, we want things to pass the Turing test. Yeah. We can't help but want to create this sort of human life. So in, in Ex Machina, it's a, the, whole, the whole thing is about wanting this robot to have consciousness... To pass the Turing test, Mm -hmm. the a lot of the stuff in the Electric Lady is we set it in this sci-fi world of robots to distance it from where we are now, but we still can't help but think of them as being humans. We still want them to have this sort of thing because we, and then in um, iRobot as well all of the robots that are created by these engineers and these people, they're given names. They're given human names and they're spoken to as though they are thinking, breathing people.
1: But they're not. But they can't help it. I mean, look look at Blade Runner as well, being being an obvious example where um, Harrison Ford wants Rachel... Oh, I can't mix. Up. I always do this. I always mix up the actor's name and the character's name. Well, but where Harrison Ford's character wants Rachel to pass the empathy test so that he can believe that 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 she can love him, basically. And yeah. we haven't talked about it yet. But her, have you seen her?
0: I haven't. No, but, but yeah, that's a good one made. to
1: watch with AI. That would be a good one. But again, the whole. Joaquin Phoenix falling in love with his, um, well, it's basically his Siri. Is, yeah, is, is what it essentially is. But, yeah. I think,
0: I think that's one of the most underlying things about AI is, although it is still artificial, I can't help but want it to be real.
1: Yeah, it's
0: it's just one of those things. Your th- your theme though is really is really quite interesting in terms of art is created after this sort of tragedy. Yeah. Or this sort of thing.
1: I think it's a common... The the most obvious argument to that would be sort of breakup bands, you know, where some of the band's best albums are created when they're all having arguments. Yeah, like rumours. No, all true, all true. (laughs) I hate it. Like of Mac Rumours and and Suede and o- Oasis and all these yeah. mostly 90s bands, because that was when there was all the angst. But yeah, that was like that. Some really good can come out of tragedy has always been like a strange oxymoron in a way. Yeah. It was in a, 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 in a book I read the other day where it said that if you take the, if you add tragedy to a comedy, it doesn't make it not funny. No. And that's probably about right. Which is perfect for In Bruges because that is a really tragic film, but it's also hilarious.
0: Mm. I think I think one of the the really interesting things about certainly the Ray Fiennes character in In Bruges mm. is the level of principle. Yeah, like he has to stick to his principles, especially to, towards the end when he does that inadvertent. And I think that's really interesting, yeah. especially in terms of In Bruges, where you get.
1: Ah, yeah.
0: I think with with his character at that moment my respect for him just basically quadruples. Yeah,
1: it's crazy that you can have so much respect for an absolute, as he's referred to in the movie, a cunt.
0: <laughs> he's a horrible, horrible man. Yeah. But I, re- I respect that.
1: Do you know what it's almost like? He's so... In line, and he's got his morals, and he sticks to them so much, yeah that without spoiling anything that you know they result in his downfall essentially, mm. but he sticks with morals so much that he's he actually becomes it's like he's following an algorithm a bit like a bit like an AI in himself, like humans attach these morals and these principles to themselves that they have to follow mm. I think. Humans definitely
0: do that, but I think one of the weird things is English people do it a lot more. <laughs> I, th- I think, in- or at least in terms of our history, yeah. the, in- the English, and certainly in the Victorian era, yeah. the English did it so much. We were talking a bit about sort of, Utterson and-, and Enfield earlier. Yeah. There's so much of that strict it's- adherence
1: to a code social etiquette that was literally it was just it felt like when i read a victorian book or when i see a victorian film it's like they're running off the same script every time when they meet someone do you know what i mean there's a way to do this and there's a way to invite people into your home and banquet them and really bizarre but i don't think there's any of that now
0: oh yeah we don't <laughs> you know, yeah, that doesn't happen anymore.
1: I can't think of a single example of something that everyone's strict about.
0: I think possibly they're more subtle now. I think there are certain like topics. There are certain. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I see. I
1: see what you're alluding to now.
0: Yeah. <laughs> there are definitely things that are still taboo today. Because it like even thirty years ago. The subject of HIV/AIDS was incredibly taboo, and there was a there was a horrible amount of persecution around that sort of subject. Like, you watch films like, um, say, Philadelphia Mm. or Pride, and that sort of sort of horrible sense that you get from that sort of era. Mm. When you had the, when you still, when you still had these really dangerous taboos, and I think they do still exist, and there are still certain things that are taboo that we don't talk about. We don't talk about. I remember, um, you know Terry Pratchett,
1: yeah. yeah,
0: the writer of the Discworld novels and Good Omens and mm. all this amazing, amazing fantasy fiction. Uh, and about ten years ago he w- he was diagnosed with Alzheimer's, which still to this day i think is quite a sort of touchy subject well al- alzheimer's you don't hear a lot of people talk about it do you a lot mm-hmm. it's it's a lot more taboo than say cancer is, yes. It's a very, it's a, it's a strange thing. You're talking about like these sort of strict things that people used to do Mm. and strict codes that people used to adhere to and say, we don't do that now, but we do. You could sort of tell that we do Mm. because definitely the atmosphere in our conversation has changed.
1: Yeah. As soon as we started thing.
0: to talk about this, because we're both sort of awkward about talking about it. It's not
1: like it's something that we have to talk around, even though we're not sure what we're talking around, because it's not talked yeah. about. It's very peculiar.
0: We don't know how to deal with this subject, because we don't deal with the subject. <laughs> yeah. Is the
1: entire point. <laughs> it's quite interesting. Yeah. It's scary, because I can actually feel like I, there's stuff that I want to say, but I don't know how to say it. But then I don't... Yeah it's very strange. I think think one of
0: (laughs) The thing about that subject as well is you don't know what to say because you don't know if it will be offensive because you never talk about these things. So you don't actually know if the things that you're thinking are things that are okay to be thought.
1: Mm. So definitely is still a taboo. Yeah. We definitely still have sort of rules and uh we follow certain algorithms i think yeah
0: and i think especially these big establishments that are, that exist people are fit into a slot you get very few people who who go no i'm not going to bend to your will i'm going to be my own person yeah that doesn't happen no nah. <laughs> <laughs> you don't find that
1: or if you do it's in a, a failed actor or a sort of probably going to the arts is is probably a way of breaking out of that but then in the arts you've got your own hierarchy and its own set of rules as well
0: yeah and i think I think in the in term, in terms of being an artist, mm. you then create your own rules, yeah. <laughs> which is then ridiculous because the entire point of doing that was so that you didn't have to follow rules and then you just follow your own rules. Have you seen Neil Gaiman's Make Good Art speech? Yeah. There's things about impossible, like doing the impossible things that you didn't know was impossible because there was no one around to tell you that it was yeah. impossible. <laughs>
1: And then the someone did it, Mr. Barnes' friend, who came to our, one of our, what do you call them, award assemblies, yeah. read out a bit of it, I don't know if you remember that.
0: No, when was that? Uh,
1: that's definitely sixth form. But he was a quite a young man, very good looking, he was handing out the awards, the girls were all sort of fawning over him, and then he read a bit of New Game, and then I thought, yeah, now I'm doing the same. <laughs> don't remember this man at all
0: maybe i made him up maybe you made him up maybe <laughs> maybe, maybe maybe that's your brain telling you something yeah. <laughs> maybe maybe all you have to do to fawn over a man is that
1: he likes neil gaiman yeah <laughs>
0: maybe that's all it takes
1: i i, I don't want to leave leave the podcast off on on that note do
0: you, do you not want to leave do you not want to leave <laughs> them on the idea that all they have that, <laughs> There's sway swathes of men now going, ha, all I have to do to seduce him is read him Neil Gaiman. Right, this still feels like a really crap ending. Should we sort of we, we need to sign off, I think. I mean we need, we need to sign off. Let's let's do this was our first podcast. Yeah. This was our first attempt, so let's let's do a retrospective. Yeah. How do you think it went?
1: I think it went well. I think I gave you too much though. I gave you too much string I think, I think actually, the thing about yours was you talked
0: only about the things that I needed to know about. Yeah. You could uh, have easily misdirected me by talking about all the other elements of In Bruges
1: that I, are I present. Like, done.
0: like the, the strict moral code and the very darkly sardonic humour and, and the weird relationship between. Do you,
1: th- do you think, if I'd just given you those three mediums, you would have got it without me explaining it, because oh, I think no. if you if you gave me your three, I would have got yours.
0: Oh yeah, absolutely, you would have. Very, you could have, you could have got mine very very easily, yeah. You know, without without me saying anything, I don't think I would have gotten yours without you saying anything. All right, because I forgot the start to. In, I forgot that in Bruges starts immediately after that massive tragedy. Yeah. Um. But yeah, once you once you
1: reminded me of that, you know, it was very. It's actually very easy to get to it uh, next time i'll make it just as hard but i won't give so much away i think okay i'll get you thinking a bit All right. so we're two points apiece we, we are two point. we are joint equals this may as well not be an episode in that case we may as well just start again
0: yeah it was a draw good game <sighs> i hate draws i know it's terrible
1: gosh i'm so sorry everyone i so for want this. to be better than you
0: <laughs> And you so want to be better than me that we're just gonna fizz each other out. Yeah. It's gonna be awful. <laughs> this is gonna happen every single
1: time, isn't it? It'll be a draw and we'll just keep getting more and more fed up and upset. Yeah. We'll just until... have to
0: invite other people on to and then and then beat them. Yeah. <laughs> and then laugh at them
1: and feel good yeah. for a second. Yeah. By putting other people down, which is what you're best at actually, I'd have to say, Joe. I'm I you're saying I'm best at putting other people down? Yeah, I say you're pretty good at pretty good at that. I'm pretty
0: good at putting you down. (laughs) I think it depends in relation to other people.
1: Well, and I I don't class as a person.
0: Not really. No, that's fair enough. (laughs) I mean, it it very much depends on your own mood. Yeah.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Right. Well, on that note, note. thank you if you did watch or listen. I don't know how we're going to release this yet, but thank you for tuning in if you did.
0: Yes, absolutely. Thank you very much for viewing this experiment.
1: But that will be goodbye from me for now, so goodbye.
0: Okay, and it will be goodbye from me. Goodbye.